are you? Don't ask me that. <laughs> don't don't ask me that. I don't have a good answer for you. Are we coping? Are we living? Are we breathing? <laughs> I have shifted into soup mode. <laughs> I've shifted out of girl mode. <laughs> into soup. We're in the gravy basket. There's so much. I am now but a hearty Outback Steakhouse soup. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know, but we're back. It's over. And we're back. Yes, so yes, 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 yes. We're back. We're back. We are so back. And it is so we over. We are so back. <laughs> Good afternoon and good evening, wherever you are, however you're tuning in. You're probably here because you've just watched the first three episodes of Our Flag Means Death, Season 2. If you've endured a year and a half hiatus, cruised through over 22,000 works of fanfiction on AO3, toted the chain by Fleetwood Mac as number one on your Spotify wrapped, Impulse bought yourself a set of lighthouse-shaped earrings from Etsy, tweeted David Jenkins from your Stan Twitter account, and asked him to end your suffering, David. Then we are here to tell you you're in the right place. The tide has turned. The storm has cleared. Your favorite show is back, and we're here to talk about it. This is Normal About It, where we're anything but. We are so back! And it is so so over! It's so over. It's so over because the opening scene was the opening scene and I can't I can't I can't fucking do it. It is so over for me. So I'm not over. surviving. I'm I'm potting from six feet under, just so you know. What uh flowers do you want at your wake? Um, all of them. Okay. Every single one. <laughs> okay, Every okay, single okay. one. Okay, okay. I mean, Okay. And who do you want to speak? David Jenkins for the crimes that he's committed against my life. But <laughs> he also owes your family a public apology. <laughs> he owes me he needs to at least pay the therapy bills, you know? I just oh, first of all, I think a recurring theme is being like, Man, I wanted this to happen and now it's happening and it's killing me and I did not think of the consequences of these actions. Um because the second that it starts with Izzy and Steed sword fighting and with his earring don't get me fucking started on the earring Emberlin. i can't i can't do it i can't we're gonna pocket that one for later um <laughs> we, got, we got the steered and he looks fucking phenomenal and then he kills izzy and then he hears ed in the back and he screams ed's name and he's crying and then they run to each other on the beach and nina simone is playing oh and and they slam into each other and in the first five minutes we hear ed called steed babe and love i'm sorry i can't deal with this for another six or seven or however many episodes there are left i can't do it i can't do it i can't do it yeah yes oh my gosh this was maybe my favorite scene from the entire episode even though it was a dream sequence i mean it's everything i feel like this opening is great because it does two things for us 
first we're getting exactly what we want right off the bat, right? Like yeah. the writers, David, whomever, they're saying, here, we know this is exactly what you want to see in an ideal world. And even though it's a dream, I feel like it alleviates some of the tension that the viewer is feeling about waiting so long to see these two reunite. <laughs> just to get a little taste. Just, just a little taste of something. Because, yeah, because it's like they're showing us what's possible and like what we've all been waiting for. We don't have to wait too long. It's, it's, I think it's like, it's almost therapeutic for a show to do that. Even Again, yeah. even though it's a dream sequence, it's like, no, yeah, 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 this is what you want. We know what you want, yeah. and this is it. And you will eventually get it at some point, but you're not going to get it right now because there's going to be a lot of angst and a lot of tension <laughs> first, but we yeah. want to alleviate some of that because we mm-hmm. understand our audience. And I think that's really sweet. There's something so real about that scene anyway because it does, like, even though it's a dream sequence, I keep saying that because I'm sure, I'm trying to convince myself. I think, I think this, I think all of this was a dream sequence. Honestly. Yeah. This, this conversation's a dream sequence. We're not doing this right now. <laughs> it's all a dream. Come back. Um, but like, even though it's a dream, there's something so real about it because of the way that I feel like Reese acts it. Like, uh, it's so serious. He puts his whole yeah. heart into that first look with the tears in his eyes. Oh, I'll mm, never forget nope. it. Nope. And then when they crash into each other, it unzipped me, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> it unzipped me. <laughs> I, oh. my, my guts and gore, it all went, it all went seeping out into the carpet. They slammed into each other. Oh. <laughs> and they fell to the ground and they were giggling. They were giggling. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Oh. yep. Core memory for me. Forever. <laughs> I feel like we're getting also from this scene, and I really like this, this idealized portrayal of what reuniting with Ed would be like from Steed's perspective. Yeah. Um, yep. mm-hmm. And in that world, everything is okay and Ed forgives him. And this is both so beautiful and so sad because, first of all, we don't have to guess anymore about what Steed's feelings are for Ed. He's all in. This first three episodes, he's like, oh, he's so, he's so doting. He's so indebted to, oh, to finding Ed, to bringing him back. We're learning, like, about how Steed sees himself and then how he also sees Ed and Izzy Mm -hmm. in this dream. I mean, Steed, he's just, like, a true pirate. And I think that's going to be key later on this season is like in this dream sequence where everything works out right, Steed is like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like he's taken his full form. (laughs) (laughs) This is my final form. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right, right. And I feel like that's really amazing because it shows you what what he wants to be and how he wants to be seen and Mm -hmm. like what his ambition is for his development over the season and more generally as he continues to be a pirate as he's chosen this life i also think what's really sad and this is where i'm gonna like uh-oh uh-oh <laughs> sorry caitlin uh-oh. so so like it's also heartbreaking because life is never that simple right like <laughs> life is never as idealized as like running across a beach and holding on to each other and having it all work out you know, yeah. it, it's never like that. And I think that's what we're going to dive into in the next couple episodes now that they're reunited is like <laughs> how how heavy that's going to be, how intense it's going to be to navigate that healing process, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. I need, yeah. I need them to talk it through as a crew so bad. I think that's like, if, if nothing else happens this season, I need them to be 
locked in a room together and talking it out and being like, mm, nope, we're going to talk about everything. I'm going to tell you why this happened, what happened to me, uh, what happened to you. Just I, I need them to talk about every single thing and not leave a single hair untouched in the conversation of why everything went the way it did. I need it. I think we're right? going to get it, but I need it. Oh, <laughs> I need it. that's what I, I'm noticing already about the vibe of this show um, and how it's shifted a little bit from like the first couple episodes of the previous season is it's mm-hmm. like we're already diving into the nuances of of mm-hmm. this decision that Steed has made by leaving Ed and like the impact that has on everybody. I want to just talk about how incredible the acting is this season between Reese and Taika and Khan O'Neill, I am just like, I'm ready for all of them to get their Emmys. I could talk about Reese and Taika so much, but I honestly, like, I think the one who needs the flowers is Khan O'Neill because every yeah. single scene he was in, I was drawn to him. He's so captivating to me. I agree, like, so much. I'm like, I'm nodding till my head falls off and rolls onto the floor yeah. and, like, out the door into the street. Um, like a cannibal's chicken noodle soup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> soup, the soup motif. No, not the turn. soup motif. <laughs> There's so much soup this season. <laughs> it's like a, a violent amount of soup. Um, Con O'Neill is giving one of the standout performances of this season. Yeah. Um, I agree with you so much. My classification. First of all, for whether a man is doing the most is if you could make a really good Mitski fan cam edit about him <laughs> and it would work perfectly. And oh boy. You got some high schoolers up, on Stan TikTok, get to work. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Send us your Mitski fan cams to Con O'Neill. <laughs> send us your Mitski fan cams. Just send it to our, our TikTok. <laughs> it's really it's really interesting because Izzy on the surface level is the butt of every joke, you know, the villain, right. the stickler, yeah. what have you. But Khan's performance, especially this season, subverts that expectation immediately yeah like we're reminded of how complex his character is and we see the weight of ed's wrath falling onto him without grace and it's like horrifying and intriguing and unsettling because khan's playing him so seriously like he is Mm -hmm. no longer just comic relief he's also this incredibly tragic and intense character and also i think on the writer's part as well that's a really great move to show us that his character exists in a gray area where you might rightfully question his morality and his perceived homophobia from the past season and his motives but at the same time there's a part of me that roots for him a little bit and is compelled by how he's reacting to ed's plight uh-huh uh-huh you know like like say I... what you will about him but i think we're already starting to see how his motives this season are shaped so much by this idea of like not just like him, I think, indulging his own personal interests, but also of protecting the crew and like this idea of belonging to something. And that's really fascinating to me. I just, I think we have on our hands the makings of an exceptionally fleshed out character. It's just incredible because it's not like they're giving him a redemption arc in the way of like, we're just going to forget everything that happened because like he has love for Ed, but mainly he has love for Blackbeard. He said it last season like Blackbeard is my captain not Edward and he pushed Ed into becoming this Blackbeard persona 
and now he is seeing the consequences of his actions yeah. of and having to live with all of that like he did this and he even said to steed you and i we did this to him like he included yeah. himself in the whole like it's not just steed who made ed this heartbroken person like Izzy had a hand in it too and I like that we're not just forgetting that but that Izzy is starting to realize like oh maybe this isn't the life I want to live anymore and like because he saw no matter how much he hates Steed this family dynamic that he can have he now like you said belongs to something and as Jim said he's a dick but he's our dick <laughs> you know like yeah. it doesn't it's like your siblings is like oh no one else can pick on them but me you know, like that's what Izzy is to this crew uh-huh. now. And Izzy being the one to evoke talk it through as a crew and like using uh. Steed's methods. It's just I'm just basically I'm just excited to see yeah. this dynamic between Izzy and everybody, but specifically Iz- Izzy and Steed this season, because yeah. I think they're going to be like enemies to I don't even want to just say friends, but like acquaintances who tolerate each other. <laughs> I, I I don't think I realized until we start to see them interact with each other in episode three mm-hmm. how much I crave more of Steed and Izzy's dynamic. Yeah. Like they are now sparring partners and allies and they both recognize that they're solely responsible for what happened to Ed. And I think mm-hmm. that's so fascinating. To take Izzy's character in that direction specifically is, is incredible because I think that we're realizing already that like he's not the central villain of the season. Like there's going to be someone else mm-hmm. if you've watched a promo or if you know, you've <laughs> kind of picked up on some of what goes on in the first episode. I think that line that is just stunning to me that Khan delivers, uh, you know, you and me did this to him and we cannot let our crew suffer for our mistakes. It's so incredible because it speaks to, I think, what Izzy's motives really are. And and I think this is in part why he treated Blackbeard with such reverence for so long Mm -hmm. is like the pirate's life, like the experience of being in a crew, like that's something he already, he always romanticized. Yeah. And like, I feel like that's probably what drives him. Like, that's what I'm realizing about his character in this first couple of episodes. And it makes me think about him so differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you you mentioned that he goes along with the rest of the crew in not sharing with Steed that they've maimed Ed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting because it's almost like he's a little apologetic for Steed. Like, He's trying to spare him the grief of learning that Ed is dead yeah. just as much as the rest of Ed's crew is that has in the past been loyal to him. Thanks, Steed, for saving him, um, uh, which is one of, another one of my favorite scenes when they have that moment where, you know, you see, you see everything from Steed's perspective. He's, like, yep. breaking down a little bit, and then Izzy comes up to apologize to him, and they kind of do this great shuffle, this great tango past each other. Because Steed cannot face this man who has already betrayed them both in the past. And now on top of that has is in part responsible for Ed's death. That is a scene that I've rewatched constantly. Is, and this is where Reese's acting is just incredible. When he, they discover that Ed is quote unquote dead. The way his face falls. The way his eyes slowly lose the light in them. And then for the whole crew to be in the brig you know awaiting their execution and for steed to slowly and solemnly approach them and for izzy to be like go on bonnet give me your worst and steed's worst is silence 
Yeah. My heart stopped in that moment because it is devastating. The looks that he gives them and just the utter silence and the most that he can do is just like bang on the cage walls and And then just walk away slowly and silently. And what more can he do because to show any vulnerability in that moment is to put more of a burden on his crew yeah you can tell like that's when things switch for him like his priority becomes in that moment to get his crew off the ship back on the revenge and to restore things and to move forward but and he needs to prioritize that over his grief in that moment and i feel like you see Mm -hmm. that decision yeah being made in that moment and it's so because like he even he says he says to Zang beforehand like of course they did a little mutiny adjacent to them because Ed can be a little troubled so and they shouldn't have been treated like that so yeah he he gets it you know at the end of the day they're still his crew and he's still got to get them out and for him to prioritize getting the crew out while at the same time most likely needing to grieve the way that he's able to perform the fuckery that is getting them off of the ship like that's Mm -hmm. his plan he did that (laughs) he yeah it was he's just like this is what we're doing and this is how we're getting off and then and then it works and it's not until he gets back onto the revenge when everybody is safely back on their ship he is allowed to start grieving again his face is just broken and devastated and he's now he's thinking oh i'm home but he's not home anymore because ed isn't there and it sucks and now he has to face the life potentially without ed and then when izzy starts to speak i feel like it just is a horrible reminder of like oh not only is he not here but now i'm with the people who caused it mainly izzy and even though izzy is thanking him he can't deal with it right now so he needs to go by himself and stand vigil yeah. at Ed's side. Like, what in the oh. AO3 fanfic is all of this? Oh, no. <laughs> well, and also to convey the complexity of that, like, maybe Steve doesn't entirely blame them for having done what they've done yeah. because it all comes back to him. Like, he's yeah. still taking full accountability for it. Yeah. And that comes back when he goes to talk to Ed when Ed is lying in, in the, the brig and is potentially dead is he's like, I screwed all of this up. Like, he never lashes out at the crew for their role in causing all of this because in his mind, it's still his responsibility to have not let any of this happen. I love that. I think Uh, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. This is a good time, I think, for us to talk about the tone differences between Steed's side of the story and Ed's because, it. I mean, it's so interesting. Like, for the first two episodes of the season, you've got these very apparent dark and light motifs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. taking place. And I think we should just talk about that. What are your thoughts? Th- this is a rom-com. This is a rom-com. Yeah. But it's also fucking devastating. <laughs> this show. <laughs> this show is incredible. Like, it is my silly fun time show and it breaks my heart. So, like, you're watching all of the Steed and crew scenes and I'm watching it and I'm like, yay! pirate comedy and then all of the ed and his crew scenes happen and i was just like i'm scared what the fuck? what's going <laughs> on did jesse armstrong right let him in here <laughs> there's a lot going on with steed too you know when lucius tells him that oh well maybe this time spent with you was the best it ever got for ed and steed's like i'm not ready to believe that because he has a lot going on with his own self-confidence and like mm-hmm. needing to even like play with the idea that ed had a great time and he even said to the wanted poster for ed like i'm not afraid you're gonna murder me i'm afraid that you're happier without me 
because what happened when he went back to Mary? She was happier without him. <laughs> like she had a, oh, she had a great wow. life. Great oh. life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is so, it is so different on the Ed side of the story because the, the first scene after all of the rape, like we watched the trailer and I even said it in our season two teaser breakdown. I was like, oh, Jim and Frenchie, they're having a great time. They're thriving. Look, they have, mm-hmm. they're having so much fun. No, they ain't. No, 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 they're not. Yeah, in our trailer breakdown, I talked about, oh, what song do you think is going to be playing when they raid yeah. the ship? It's going to be like so bad. And you see that, and then there's this immediate cut to silence, and them all eating the cake and like processing everything they've done that's been violent. And it's yeah. so, it's so good. It's so good. It's incredible. But there was still comedy to that, right? Of Frenchie being yeah. like, what people don't like buttercream it's okay i'll have your cake i i put yeah. things in boxes and i don't open them up anyway coping <laughs> on yeah. to the next like he's just like me for real for real but like there was still there was still a bit of comedy there but where the comedy left everything was when izzy tells ed hey there's poisonous vibes on this ship here and then he confronts the crew because izzy said we should talk it through. <laughs> and yeah. uh, Ed comes out and basically and points a gun at them all, saying, like, do you think the vibes are bad? And then without even hesitating or even truly looking at him, shoots Izzy for uttering the name Steed Bonnet. <laughs> I couldn't breathe. I could not breathe watching it. It is insane. Everything between Ed and Izzy, again, everything that's going on between them. I have love for you, and I loved you best I could. Oh. You're nuts. You're nuts no. for that. No. You're crazy for that, David. You're no. crazy. Like Another fun thing that this season is really touching on is even though Steed doesn't like believe it himself or like really see the effect that he has on people's lives, <laughs> whether it be like abandoning his family and that having consequences or falling in love with Ed, not realizing it, and not understanding that Ed falls in love with himself, is his impact on everybody else, too, like the crew. Yeah. Like, we see that impact with Izzy. Like, Izzy's clearly going through something uh, where he's starting to maybe see, like, maybe Steed had a point with the whole, like, talk it through line. Like, I can't believe Izzy was the one who brought that up. And then when Jim is reminiscing on the good times that they had on the revenge and telling Archie that life meant something on this ship mm-hmm. and that it doesn't matter oh. that Izzy is a dick. He's oh, dick. What? oh, the little flashes back to when they're all eating together and then yeah. when Olu and Jim lean in for the first time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Overling that it wasn't... silence. Yes! 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 What the fuck? Yes. What the fuck? Yes. Yes. The use of silence on this show is crazy. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, I was gonna... I had so much to say about this, and it all just, like, the moment the episode <laughs> ended, I was like, never mind, I can never think again. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, this is something that happens, I mean... Not to not to pivot us too far forward because we're about to go there, mm-hmm. but like at the very end of episode three, we hear Kate Bush cut out. Yeah. And yep. There's yep. just them uh-huh. holding hands, uh-huh. and then we cut to black. That silence. It's so much louder. And <laughs> and and so every episode has an end credit sequence. Yeah. And the end credit <gasps> sequence to this, to episode three, was literally just water. We're underwater and we're looking up at potentially the sun. And it's just yeah. ocean. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you you just have to sit with it. You just have to sit with that. You just have yeah. to. You just. Yeah. The processing you're forced to do when there's nothing to distract you. Yeah. Like the way that you're meant to just take the weight of everything that's happened in, in those seconds. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's such a, it's, I mean, the use of music in this show, it's incredible. It's, it's, I think when you have creatives, that's like, they love, you can tell that like hitting a certain beat in a show is their passion. Like they're thinking about the musicality of Mm -hmm. the story they're telling. And that comes through in like the songs they choose when they choose not to use music, when they choose for there just to be silence, when they choose, when they choose for there just to be like, um, atmospheric sounds like that all comes through like sound editing is so important people don't understand this going back to the marvel world where like two people will be having when, when it's like you know, <laughs> not to take us off the rails but you're watching a movie in the theater that is um directed by maybe like joss whedon and it's like it's like it'll be like the first scene you see like the first scene will be like two people talking it'll be like captain marvel and I don't know, Tony talking. And they'll be like, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tony. Sorry. Um, but it'll be like, and then there's like an explosion. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Oh my God. What is wrong with you people? Mix your goddamn movie properly. Yeah. I didn't come here. Like this isn't a horror movie. This isn't a, ju- this is, we're not having jump scares here. Like, that's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. Silence. I'm at AMC, goddammit. <laughs> Silence We come is to so this important. place for magic. Not to be overstimulated. So, you know, so, so like, you know, like, I really appreciate the, the, the intention to detail when it comes to sound mixing and, like, yeah. music editing and in this show. Because yeah. it's like, they get it. They get it. They get, like, they understand, like, the atmosphere they're trying to create, like, they know. They know the user experience, okay? Not to get corporate here. But they do. <laughs> but they're, And they're also not using songs for the purpose of needle drops, you know? <gasps> of like, haha, look, yeah. we're using this song. Like, you could argue that The Chain was a really big needle drop. But, but like, the way that whole thing was shot, like, they did it to the beat of the music. It was yeah. written into the script. Like, it's all planned yeah. ahead. Everything has a reason. Kate Bush is there. We'll talk about it in a second. But Kate Bush is there <laughs> for a reason. Like, a show soundtrack is meant to complement the musicality, like, the rhythm of the story you're telling. It's not yeah. intended to, like, pander. No, and, like, some songs that are used can take you out of it. Like, it needs to make sense for the story. It needs to help your story move along. And this show just does it so well. So the fact that Jim's flashbacks to their time on the ship and the family that they were brought into and the love that they have on this ship, mm-hmm. to for that to not be elevated with score made it so much better because it, like you said, like you have to sit with it. You have to sit yeah. with the fact that they lost this. They lost their family. They lost their sense of belonging that they gained on this ship. And it is silent and it is upsetting. I think another example of where that's highlighted is when they use Run From Me by Timber... Timber Timber? Timber 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 Timber. Timber. That's how Timber is spelled. Timber Timber? (laughs) Timber. Timber. Timber Timber. Timber. Tammy? Tammy. (laughs) Hey, that's Run From Me by by Tammy. Um, so Tammy says, <laughs> um, no, but uh, 
uh no like they use this song and and it's again it's like the rhythm of of the song which is like this like run 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 over and over again it works so well with uh ed's plight at the end of that episode where it's almost like a bell tolling right yeah where it's like that's a really good way to put again. it that this man's time is running out like Stop. he's no longer Stop. like completely tethered to the real a reality where he moves on from this and that's important and that's important because that's kind of the point of the scene is like that's what he needs to go through in order to want to live he needs to he needs to spiral he needs to sacrifice the well-being of his crew and then have that final moment where he looks up and sees them all looking down at him before Jim hits him over the head with the cannonball. Like, all of that needs to happen. Like, he needs to see the consequences of his rage, of his actions, in order for anything to move, for him to move on, in, in order for his arc to continue upward. And I think the use of the song in showing that is really significant, you know? Like, this man, he's a monster he's a monster and that's what the song is suggesting you'd want the crew to be able to run from him but they can't because they're in the middle of the fucking ocean and there's nowhere to go and they're in the middle of a storm and there's nothing they can do time has run out that's what i love about the use of that song wow okay <laughs> cool that's very cool thanks for sharing thank you thank you so much i am i feel like i am I'm fluctuating back and forth today between like just little sounds, <laughs> little <laughs> and like really essays. <laughs> yeah, and essays, <laughs> and that's and that's spiraling. That's what spiraling is. I love that that was your take because I had a completely different take on the song Ooh. specifically, and it's because one of the lyrics it immediately um, stood out to me because it said "Run, my good wife," oh. and. I want them to be married. <laughs> I want oh. them to be married. There's so oh. many marriage references. I can't yeah. fucking stand it. So obviously the whole wedding and the cake topper thing and Ed painting the bride to look like himself and he puts it next to the one that looks like Steve. Like there's all that. And then while during that whole scene, that song is playing and the second line is literally saying run run my good wife run for me baby you're about to run for your life and i took that as like it's almost like is this, ed- wait, wait. Is this is this during the, the wedding scene no this is during ed playing with the cake toppers when that oh when that's that not song the song i was that's not the song i was talking about what are you talking about we're talking about the same song the uh, run from me darling that's that's what oh, i'm talking it, about is it the one where he goes run 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 yes like, yeah but that's but that's but those are two different scenes right in the scene when he when oh, he oh this is this is crazy okay so it's a so they use the song twice right yeah they use it because I know the run part plays hold on I'm literally gonna pull up HBO because the Max run right part now. plays when when the storm is taking place when does the cake topper scene happen doesn't that not happen wait does that the, happen before when before when it? I say cake toppers I'm talking about when Ed is in the beginning of episode two is playing with the cake toppers because the storm happens at the end the storm happens at the end and so the cake topper thing happens so the song comes back at the end of the episode (laughs) and goes and you get the you get the 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 latter half like the the uh 
yeah, it comes back all right. And it's so good. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Oh. Okay, I want to make sure because you were talking about a different scene, and I was like, wait, well, I'm talking about this scene at the end. But okay. we're talking about the same song because they we're use that. We're talking about the same song. Wow. Okay, 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 okay. This changes things. This changes oh. things. Okay. Wow, that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. You're nuts. That's crazy. So, <laughs> so, I immediately held on to the run my good wife thing because I see it as like, it's almost like a warning to Steed almost in a way you know because the the lyrics go run my good wife run for me baby you better run for your life and each time i see you i contemplate what i love most of all your swinging gaze run for me darling and to me it's like ed very clearly and obviously is in love with steed but it's also like a warning being like i love you so much but also you hurt me so run yeah Yeah. (laughs) and also back to more reasons why i'm saying they are so getting married not necessarily at the end of the season but definitely by season three is in the i love my baby by (gasps) nina simone which is used in the first episode during the dream sequence there are lyrics that say just say you love me and we'll go to the preacher man just say you love me and before him we'll stand we'll live our lives together as we go hand in hand just say you love me and we already freaked out about the if we got married lines in the prince song in our teaser so there's that there's just a lot of marriage happening oh well then there's also that 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 bit um when they're eating the cake from the wedding Yep, and yep. they're mm-hmm, talking mm-hmm. about the wedding. Archie says, well, I've never really been to another wedding, so I don't have a, like a reference point or something, something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I just feel like when someone says something like that, that means something. It's like, why would you, you know, there are certain things that happen in my shows where I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> why are you saying that though? <laughs> why are you saying that? You know, sometimes people say things just to say them, but in this specific case, hmm. I think it might be important. Speaking of the use of music in this show, uh-huh. Um, she's back. She's back. <laughs> she's back. She's back. She's, she's back. back. It's so she's over. So back. So we are talking about Nasia number five. Oh, oh, oh! What the fuck, dude? Yeah. <laughs> and it's use in the first. Well, not in the first couple. It really happens. It was episode, in episode three. Three. Yeah. Uh, talk about it. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Uh, I have been telling myself, I'm like, I'm going to fucking lose it when they use Nasia number five. Because it's their theme. It's their yeah. theme. It's, it's Seed's theme. Yeah. And I've been, like, thinking, oh, we're not going to hear it until they're together again. But no, they they played it not once, not twice, but thrice, my dear friends, in episode <laughs> three. And the first time it plays is the first time that Steed steps onto the Revenge and he sees the damage to the ship. This is his first taste, firsthand, of what Ed has been going through and what Ed has been doing. It doesn't finish. It just plays a tiny, tiny bit. And then it plays more and more completely when he's ta- he's taking the knives out of the walls of the destroyed captain's cabin. And again, yeah. every time Steed gets a little closer to Ed, a little closer yeah. to him both physically and mentally because he is seeing more of what his leaving ed did to him and the things that he caused him to do basically and he's removing all the knives and it they could have used any tense sort of thing or nor music at all but the fact that they decided to use their theme because it's like steed cleaning up after ed he's cleaning up his own mess yeah and 
almost in a way like it could almost be interpretive of like taking care of ed in in a way of like i'm gonna take this out for you like i'm gonna Mm -hmm. do this i'm gonna fix this for us well like in that interpretation it's like the revenge could be read as like it's it's like symbolic of ed or it's symbolic of this thing that they had together that's not broken yeah so i love that good yeah interpretation (laughs) yeah and then (laughs) and then the third time we hear it play is when steed is talking to zang about what ed has done and Mm -hmm. how ed can be quite troubled and understanding why the crew mutinied but also it's because of steed that ed was acting like this and that he let him down and he's the cause of all of this and he should have just told him how he felt and the nasi and number five plays throughout that entire scene of him uh-huh. like taking the responsibility and understanding the emotional effect that has been taken because of uh-huh. his actions and just i feel like he's even closer to ed in that way of being like i understand you a little bit more now and i'm sorry and then yeah. also it represents the growth because Nasia number five, not only is it their theme, but it plays every time something very important happens between Ed and Seed. It plays during the You Wear Fine Things Well. It plays during the whole bathtub scene. It plays obviously during their kiss. Like there's some sort of growth that happens. Yeah. And the growth that Seed is showing already of like, I messed up. I know I'm in love now. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to, like, I understand what you're going through, but I also know now what all of these feelings that I have for you are. And it's just, when it plays, when they eventually kiss again, check on me. Check on me. (laughs) I'll be sending you a text. Thanks. (laughs) I think you've done a really good job of summarizing exactly, like, why the use of that song is so, it's just so, it's so good like it's so gentle it's so good it's so sad like if if for like if you're a fan if you remember the way it's utilized last season it's so reminiscent of what they had and it's so sad and like the way it echoes a little bit because it is an echo of what once was it's so oh ouchy you know what else also is a lot that hurts me that also made it come back didn't see her for a while there but oh boy, howdy, did Ed put that black cravat on when he was going to go die? <laughs> oh. That was cool. That's great. Very cool. Oh. So cool. Not only does it represent the chill cold that Steve has on people's lives, it, it has mm-hmm. a chill cold on me. <laughs> yeah. I too <laughs> have a black cravat on. <laughs> I pressed play on that episode. I looked down and I was like, where the hell did this come from? I find it interesting that it was absent until he went to what was eventually seemingly going to be his death. Yeah. And that he was yeah. gonna he was gonna die with a little piece of seed with him. So um Yeah. Jot yeah. that down. Can we talk about the moon transition? <laughs> Can we talk about the moon transition? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the end of the first episode you get that sequence of Ed look like saying fuck you steed bonnet he looks up to the moon and then it pans over and now it's with steed yeah. and he goes good night Ed teach as he looks up into the moon what yeah stop steed reminiscing on the you wear fine things well scene that's on knowing you're in love because we know this is a huge moment for ed because of yeah. the scene itself and when he thinks back on it in season one but yep. now now steed knows that he's in love and now he understands the significance of placing ed's red silk on display and now he knows uh-huh. the weight of it all and i'm walking headfirst into traffic oh yeah yeah <laughs> I, can't it's, do this. I love that these two scenes 
kind of work together because we see the transition scene with the moon at the end of episode one. Mm -hmm. And then Steed is thinking back on the moon scene at the beginning of episode two. And I think that's really intentional because in season one, in that red silk scene, the moon is big in the sky and it's intentionally portrayed that way, as Mm -hmm. David has discussed previously, because it represents the enormity of everything between them. But in in the transition scene at the end of episode one season two it's far away for both of them it's just out of reach oh um, oh no and they're no, both no, looking no, at no. the same moon one cursing the other and the no, other bidding one good night no. and it's just no. out of reach for them it's stop. just out of reach stop stop like talking no <laughs> okay no okay, i'll stop <laughs> no. Yeah. i yeah mm, no mm, yeah no no i can't yeah. do this i'm actually not mm-hmm. strong enough i'm actually leaving um earth bye okay (laughs) it's been great with david jenkins logic anything is possible right continuity wise so i'll pause here just to read a a, a great tumblr post from real cheddar chips (laughs) real Real cheddar Cheddar chips Chips. (laughs) my god i fucking love people's urls it's great (laughs) as opposed to the fake ones i hope Um, wait i hope there's a i hope there's a tumblr that says fake cheddar chips (laughs) (laughs) so they say ofmd is perfect in its blatant disregard for any kind of realism and they go on to name all of these you know continuity errors in the show like purple haired punk rocker (laughs) uh at spanish jackies izzy getting his leg cut off and then just walking around with a crutch with zero recovery time and so on yeah yeah. um and and there's more and you should go read the post because it's really it's really interesting but the conclusion of this is usually it would make me mad if a show put this little effort into establishing some kind of common sense but with ofmd it's so blatant that it's what makes the show so unique and wonderful and i agree with that like the continuity errors in the show are what make it wonderful well because it's not like continuity errors where it's like distracting like i I read that post earlier actually (laughs) and one of them was it mentioned you know ed being in purgatory for days and yeah. then seemingly waking up. I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. <laughs> I think about it. I was like, yeah, yeah, he's awake now. <laughs> One thing about me is I love being in purgatory for days. <laughs> it doesn't take away from the story because these are just like anachronisms or little continuity mm-hmm. errors that it, it doesn't take away from the story being told because all of these things that were listed in that post help move the story forward we don't need a whole backstory or a realistic explanation of why lucius is alive he just needs to appear and you'd be like he's alive now and we go okay and we continue exactly (laughs) no exactly because i would i would argue they're not even errors like i think that's the thing sometimes sometimes people hold themselves so so strictly to the line of logic when they're writing and that's just not what art is about right. <laughs> like it's just it's not about continuity unless it's like you're telling some sort of um biographical story mm-hmm. like if, if like the messaging that you're giving people is like we're telling this true the true story of robert oppenheimer <laughs> yeah right sure <laughs> and then halfway through the movie <laughs> he shows up wearing crocs yeah he shows up wearing crocs <laughs> that would be yeah that would be weird that wouldn't really make any sense but this is not that show. Like, this is not no. the story we're telling. Like, all of these historical figures that actually existed hundreds of years apart from each other within within the the the, 
the constraints of of the our flag means death universe that doesn't matter that doesn't no, matter and it's not because they're not telling anybody. their story they're just they're using their names essentially the story is these two people found each other and they found in love and here's the found family that they created that's the story yeah we're not telling that's the story we're not telling the story of 1717 england and pirates and shit no it's yeah. just it just happens to be the backdrop and it's so fun. Well, no, right. Well, that's that's what brings me back to my original point. Is like continuity-wise, the little details don't matter. What matters is the emotional impact of each character's actions. Like yeah. that is where continuity matters for David, and I think that's what's important because this is a relationship-driven show. Mm-hmm. Like I was, even though I I feel like maybe I should have come to expect this from the show. It did shock me that. In this first couple episodes, we don't shy away from the trauma induced by each decision Steed, Ed, and Izzy make. Yeah. Like, we see Ed's crew traumatized by his spiraling. And I think that's really important because it's reflective of real life. Like, one person's loss becomes everyone's, especially when that person has difficulty with coping. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's considerations for Lucius, who is so angry. This poor child Justifiably of so. This poor child of the there's considerations for Jim and Fang and Frenchie. There's a really healthy acknowledgement that yeah. Steed and Ed's fallout doesn't exist in a vacuum mm-hmm. that I don't think other shows would pay as much attention to. Like, in other worlds, like, a writer might just reset a lot of these elements and, and have those supporting actors play, a, like, kind of a, a role where they're continuing to banter, and it's not affecting them at all. But I think it's important that each writer is thinking so take is taking so seriously like the potential that everything that happens in the show has to affect everyone else because yes. it's relationship driven yeah i i also really enjoy that when it comes to ed's side of the story in the first few episodes it is not comedic in any way like there are jokes yeah. here and there but there's nothing about ed's story to me right now that is funny and no. it shouldn't be because this is he's going through so much. Ed is such a layered character and that's why like Taika is doing such an incredible job just showing all of that. Like one of my favorite examples is when, you know, after he has had his night sobbing in what I'm like it could be just the cabin, but I'm also just clowning so hard to be the auxiliary wardrobe to still be there and intact. So he's <laughs> in the auxiliary wardrobe crying right. with his cake toppers. And after that he's like I'm good now. It's all fine. I'm all chipper and all of this and like be like, oh, no more drugs, no more booze and no more Izzy. Like everything is fine. His eyes are insane. First of Mm. all, Taika's eye acting is incredible. But like, yeah, it is. He is lying to himself. He is putting on the fuckery that is Blackbeard and the Kraken. And it's all protection for him because he thinks that this is a lifestyle that he like is being he was told to put on and now he's stuck in and he clearly doesn't want to be but he also doesn't feel like he can show that weakness he thinks he's unlovable he hates himself and there's so much under that but then he's also pretending and being like nope everything's fine now but also you can tell he knows that you're lying to him and then also the second that Frenchie leaves that like artificial light in his eyes leaves him and he is Mm -hmm. back to being like upset again and horrible there is nothing funny about Ed in the first three episodes and it like not even Jeff's in by the sea like that was kind of funny until it fucking wasn't (laughs) and well, like, to me, I feel like, oh, 
Jeff's in by the sea. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that to me represents like kind of a pivotal moment in the show because in Purgatory, where Ed is taking the space to finally acknowledge his self-loathing, um, yeah. he's also kind of acknowledging that that's what he wants is like someone to play with him, yeah. like someone to be fun with him and like kind of yes and with him and improvise and like it's so sad because like that's that's the per that's that person is still in there somewhere probably yep and the the story that he's telling himself while he's in purgatory is so is so different than that it's so it's driven so much by how unlovable he feels and it's like oh my god that's it's just so sad it's so fucking sad oh you know it's a moment that i replay in my mind over and over again is Uh. the lucius and pete reunion yeah. Oh, that oh. was so, it was so, it was so good. It was so good. First of all, like, the second that they said, oh, yeah, there's actually, like, another uh, male passenger on this boat. I was like, we know who it is. We know. <laughs> we know. And I still yelled as if I didn't see it coming. <laughs> I also, I also didn't anticipate it at all. I was like, who? <laughs> who is it? <laughs> who could I it be? think about it. So when it happened, I fell off the couch. I was like, oh, my God, I forgot. Oh my god, he's alive! Why am I gasping? I already knew this. But oh my god, that was so cute! It was so cute. Like, because I feel like these first few episodes are so heavy, and this was just such a light in the darkness. Like, the look on Pete's face, it's... it's, Oh, oh, it's so cute. They're so cute together. The way he runs to him and just grips him and he's like crying into his shoulder and then they fall down to the ground together and then the rest of the crew pile on top of them and then after the title card we come right back to pete and lucius and pete being like i thought you died and lucius goes yeah i think a lot of people did and i say no just pete just pete but then but then he's like you have a beard now and he loves it and then he kisses him twice i just they are everything to me it's funny too because in the first episode i love the first episode but i'm like something's missing i feel like something's missing and the second lucia showed up i was like that's what it was it's you (laughs) it's you (laughs) it's you if you go back and watch that scene like the scene where they they kiss um on the boat um i love it because when they pull away from each other uh samba is like in the the background just between them like with his just like grinning oh, like really? a school girl at them it's <laughs> so that. funny that's cute <laughs> and that's before he asks the fatal question like so why rat boy um, <laughs> oh my god which, yeah. by the way speaking of david jenkins subverting expectations i think this is really fascinating because we were all like he's in the walls he's eating the walls. paper <laughs> <laughs> and david was like he's on ships eating rats yeah <laughs> actually like, okay david whatever you say man but also but also like we were so close because Izzy was in the walls, not Lucius. Oh, Izzy yeah. was in the walls. Izzy was in the this walls. is why I say like it subverted expectations, but it still gave me everything I want. And there's two other things that it subverted my expectations on, but I'm genuinely not strong enough to talk about it, so we'll get to there. But this being the first one of somebody's in the walls, but it's not Lucius. I incredible. Yeah. I'm gonna push back on that a little bit. I think it is time Uh-oh. to talk about those things that have been subverting uh. expectations. <laughs> My dear friend, uh, if you're if you're emotionally prepared to go there, no, no, oh, guys, this one killed me. This one killed me. This is why I say I don't need any more. I'm good. I'm so good. I'm so I'm so fine. I'm so normal about it. I'm so 
Oh, okay. I've said it. If you have been listening to our podcast for a while, you know this about me, but my favorite fucking trope <laughs> ever, ever in the history of tropes, ever, is character A <laughs> thinking that character B is dead, but they're not. And, ah! okay, so in like many a fanfic and many a theory, I always assumed that Ed would think that Steed is dead, considering that um, when Steed went back home, there was a whole fuckery, and um, he essentially, quote-unquote, died, but actually he's, yeah. he didn't, obviously. Um, and then Ed somehow hears about that and then thinks he's dead, blah, blah, blah. Then Steed is, a, and they have a great reunion. Whoop! Didn't have it in the cards! Did not have it on my bingo card of it being the other way around. I was not fucking prepared. I was not prepared. I was not prepared for the grief and the heartbreak on Steed's face. I was not prepared for that acting from Mr. Reese Darby. I was not ready for Steed to bring Ed back to fucking life. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I didn't know that AO3 had a visual feature. What the fuck? (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) What? What do you mean? What do you mean you're giving me everything that I want? What do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean that seasons two version of You Came Back Never Left is come back to me? I'll never leave you again. I'm eating my floor. (laughs) What the fuck is going on? (laughs) And there's more? And this isn't just it? (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean I wanted them to hold hands so bad and then they did in the first three episodes? (laughs) What the Mm -hmm, fuck? mm -hmm. Yep. What yep, there's mean? linoleum in my stomach being do broken mean? down by my stomach acid. Yeah, yeah, I guess I didn't, I guess I just didn't anticipate the level of angst from this show, this season. Like, I guess I could have, but that would require me to, to put a lot of trust in showrunners to, to tell a story that aligns with what fans might be wanting. And I'll say this, like, there's a fine line that you can walk between pandering and, like, just knowing your fan base and wanting to give them a story that they can appreciate. Mm -hmm. And the show does a really good job of walking that line because, like, you know, I'm not not somebody who particularly enjoys that a lot of the time. Like, when when I hear a showrunner say, "Eh, I didn't really do it for you, I did it for me, I just am writing and I'm creating something that I care about. I'm usually, like, I feel like I, I always find myself to be, like, a little more receptive to that art because i'm like this is you this is you're putting your your entire self out there right that said i think david's entire self i think i think that everybody who worked in this show the community of writers and actors and creators that helped to bring this show together like that is very much the story that they're telling that this is that's very much who they are is like a group of creatives that want to provide a fan experience that is believable yeah and and like that is like very much for the people that are represented through the show Mm -hmm. like for for queer fans you know yeah i think what helps is the fact that season one happened because that's the story that david wanted to write from the beginning Mm -hmm. and he did and whether it was apparent or not from the beginning it was still the story that was told and I mean, this man didn't even know what queer baiting was when he he wrote the show. He found out that after it when so many people responded so well to it. And they were like, hey, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) There are some people complaining in reviews about the show being like, "Mm, it's too much fan service. 
I'm sorry. I love fan service when I'm the fan being service. And <laughs> <laughs> this isn't fan service in the way where it's like, we're doing something ridiculous to, that takes away from the story's original direction. It is, nah. it is taking things that fans theorized, using them not necessarily in the ways that we thought, but still getting what we want, and then doing things that help push the story forward. It's, it is always going to be at its core about Ed and Steed, and that's why we're here. <laughs> like that is why the audience is here is for their relationship david jenkins said the relationship is the show from what it seems to me they're not going to do anything fan service to be like oh we're just like the best the worst fan service moment i can think of is and no surprise here it comes from the marvel cinematic universe when (laughs) in endgame when all of the female superheroes are in that one shot and it's like that it takes you out of the moment because you're like, why is this happening? Like, we know this is happening. You're just trying to get your flowers being like, look at all these female superheroes that we have. It's not taking you out of the Our Flag Means that story. It's giving you treats along the way of the story that they already want to tell. It's it's not, yeah. oh, the fans wanted this, so we're doing it. It's, we want to do it too, and the fans also said this. Isn't it so great that we all want the same thing? You mentioned that Marvel scene, and... <laughs> but started like my my knuckles are whiting just like about it (laughs) but something I hate about a lot of what happens in a lot of Marvel and Disney content now is it's like instead of instead of offering intentional representation of queer people of women of women of color there's always this disingenuous pandering that happens instead Mm -hmm. where it's like the scene that, in the scene that you mentioned, for example, it's like it, it almost feels like they're pro- trying to monopolize girl boss feminism, and it's like <laughs> there's something like inherently exploitative about that, yeah, because it doesn't feel genuine. Like it right. just feels like you're trying to. It feels like you're trying to do something that's gonna make everybody in the audience go, "Oh, how brave of them to <laughs> they acknowledge did it. women," and they go, they did "Box it. checked." <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't have to do anything Box else. <laughs> And I think the difference between that and what's going on here is this is all incredibly genuine. Like this mm-hmm. all comes, not to say that it didn't come from a good place for somebody in the writer's room at Marvel, but like it comes every, but for everybody involved, almost everybody involved. Um, I don't want to speak on behalf of the networks because I don't generally think they come from a good place, but like <laughs> for the showrunners, for writers involved with the show, it really does seem like there's a really clear, serious intention behind everything they're doing. Like, it's all genuine. It's mm-hmm. all authentic. Like, yeah. even if it's campy, which, by the way, is what the show is, and even if the fans love it, which, of course, they do, that there's nothing wrong with that because no. it all comes from the right place. I think it's just nice to have a show where I can just sit back I don't want to say relax because I was on the edge of my fucking seat, but, <laughs> but like, I'm not worried about it. I know it's going to be fine. I don't know. I feel like shows nowadays are like, we have to be the best at this and we have to uh-huh. check all of these boxes. And if the audience finds out and guesses the direction that we're going, then we need to last minute change it so that we can be like, aha, gotcha. Where this show yeah. is just like, nope, this is a story we're going to tell. And you guess this, and aren't you so happy that you were right? <laughs> like, right, well, that's the other thing, too, is, like, I think the messaging that the creators are putting out there 
is like another indicator that this is like a good thing because it's like I think a lot of a lot of uh shows that provide fan service it's like all of the acknowledgement of that is happening behind the scenes they're like yeah. oh this will be good for ratings you know like that's what's happening somewhere in a corporate office where people want things to you know read a certain way and have a certain mm-hmm. slant and, and then but then but then that messaging never makes it out to the public so then you know when fan service happens and the creators don't acknowledge it or they get defensive about it and they're like we're not sellouts you know it just doesn't it's not great it's like it's like go it's like a celebrity going to get plastic surgery and then being like no i didn't (laughs) it's like okay there's like a the lack of transparency there is a little concerning because it seems like it really reads like you're trying to manipulate people but but then for a show like this to be like this is for you this Mm -hmm. is that's the point if you're if you're complaining about fan service if you're complaining about it then you're you're misunderstanding this is not the show this is not a problem this is for you. Yeah. This is for the fans. That's the point, you know? Yeah. And, like, I, I feel like that's what – the other thing that's driving the show successfully is, like, there's these really, really vulnerable moments between David where he's, like, going to Times Square and, like, meeting yeah. with fans and, like, Reese and Taika who are, like, you know, super responsive to fans and, like, mm-hmm. all the supporting cast. There's just never this sense that, like, these are like above you. Yeah, yeah, they 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 understand how important the content they're putting out is to their fan base, and they're respectful of that. Like it's a very, it's like an unusually, I don't you know. There's obviously power dynamics at play always, but it's an unusually healthy relationship, like parasocial relationship. Speaking of a scene that I think is probably gonna get some attention from folks that don't love the pandering aspects of this show but i'm ready to defend like, don't try <laughs> on me style because like it's just oh my gosh like oh uh the vision that ed has when he's dying oh my god uh, oh my god david jenkins where were you during mermaid <laughs> like the moment the moment we see we see steve as yeah. a mermaid my first thought was oh this has got david written all over i, I know. know david personally <laughs> i know that this smells like david jenkins like there's nothing. no one else would think to do this no my, one my first thought was there's gonna be a s- specific group of people online who are eating this shit up and i'm so yeah. happy for them i'm so <laughs> happy because i've seen all the fan art of them as mermaids or Ed is a Kraken. And, like, I can't say it's my go-to things, but I lo- I think it's incredible. And I think it's so creative. And the fact that this came yeah. true, little merman steed was the light calling Ed home. His lighthouse even. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm so- yeah. That's also beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Kate Bush is coming to my house. <laughs> oh. <laughs> punch me in the face. I had such a, I had such a, a, uh, uh, I had such a visceral reaction to that because I've heard that song so many times, like, used in different TV shows for, like, really charged emotional moments. Oh, really? Um, and I, I feel like to, for it to be used this way, and I know this is something that, uh, the show's music supervisor talks a little bit about is how, like, they had chosen Mm, this before, yes, before Stranger Things uh yeah used running up that hill and then it had happened and they were like oh no like they're gonna think we're copying them and 
um, ultimately decided to move forward with it because they felt it fit the theme so well. I think that's amazing because they were right. They were absolutely they right. They were like, absolutely right for that. The vision that David had for like this specific scene, it sh- I mean, I think it shouldn't, I mean, on paper, it doesn't feel like it would work. Like there is something like if, if David Jenkins were to come to you as like a music supervisor or somebody in costuming and be like, this is what we're going to do. And it's like, we're going to make you a merman, Reese Darby. And like, to say all that, I feel like I would also be like, what? Like, what are, are you, you insane? The chickens. What are you on about? But it works. It works. And it works. I mean, it's true camp, which yeah. should not be a surprise to you. Like if you're watching the show and don't expect camp, then like, wrong show if you're watching a pirate fantasy rom-com and one of the characters in the dream (laughs) sequence where one is underwater because he's essentially dying but he's being brought back to life by the man that he loves and that man doesn't come to him as a merman i would be disappointed (laughs) it's not cringe it's not cringe you bastards (laughs) it's camp it's beautiful i sobbed my little eyes out at that scene i've watched it a million times and not a dry eye in the audience here my guy oh my god the second the flashbacks start playing oh yeah that got me too stop that's what killed me and the music is like at its most like climactic yeah Yeah. oh i and the lyrics are i know you've got a little life in you yet i know you have a lot of strength left Shut the fuck up. The fact that David Jenkins cleared that song and wrote that song into the script and said, this is what we're using. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. And it works and it reads and it's beautiful. And it is, it's October, but this is going to be so high up on my Spotify wrapped. I'm not going to be embarrassed about it. It is what it <laughs> is. I am who I am. That. I am who I, I am. <laughs> it's going to be Francesca, True Blue, and this woman's work. <laughs> I fully Googled. I was like, when does Spotify rap stop, stop tracking what November. music you're listening to? At the I'm end of lost. November. And this I am fat and surely fucked. <laughs> I saw that headline that was like, <laughs> that merman sequence was inspired by Jenkins' desire to see Reese Darby as a merman. <laughs> Yeah? As he should. I'm sorry. This is why I fucking love David Jenkins, because he goes, this is my show. I just want to see Reese Darby as a mermaid, so I'm going to write it in, because it's my show, and I get to do what I want. And it's fucking incredible. I... I literally have never respected or loved a showrunner more than I have David Jenkins. I think he's great. I, I he never just, want him to stop. He's just doing it. He's just doing the most. I also love that this entire scene is practical effects. Yes, yes. We love practical effects, and... <laughs> the fact that they had to dump Reese Darby from a wheelchair to get him into the pool. And then he did that. He swam with a mermaid tail. And he did that. I think it's a, I think that's another reason it works so well because if it hadn't been practical effects, like I don't know if it would have really worked the same way, you know? Oh, it's beautiful. And I think I think we need to give credit to Gypsy Taylor, the show's costume designer, yes. um, for begging them not to use VFX. Um like because I think I think if you're somebody who does like practical effects for a living, like you know that like even though it takes a lot more effort, a lot more time, a lot more money, it's really in a it's lot of it. cases the superior way to tell a story. Like mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of big studios are missing that now, right? Like yeah. that that's what that's what gives art its heart. And like also to be able to send someone off who has that creative bug and say, what's your interpretation of like how this is going to go? And for her to design that fish towel yeah. and to say that she thought 
he would look like a sweet, harmless goldfish. Oh, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the symbolism? The symbolism? Yeah. Because is it, correct me if I'm wrong, but like in, is it in Chinese culture, goldfish is lucky? That's what, that's what, uh, that's what she said. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Wow. I fucking love this show. And the and the things that they had to do for the wigs, for oh yeah, Tyga's wig. Oh my god, to keep it on. To keep it (laughs) on. uh, And it just is so beautiful. And what I love about the sequence is like, Ed didn't go into the water by choice. He was pushed. He was pushed. Like he. Yeah, he believes himself to be unlovable, and he doesn't like himself. And yeah. there was a lot of moments where, yeah, he was suicidal, but deep down he knows he wants to live. Because the yeah. horned gold ghost, horned ghost, if you will, tries to feed him soup, and then he's like, no, it's poison, I don't want it, because he wants to live. And he has to be pushed off of that cliff. He doesn't jump himself. And then he, right. as he's sinking down into the water, I, I think it was incredible that the second that steed removes the cloth off his face he has an immediate reaction and he's just mm-hmm. like oh shit i can live i can live no i'm gonna i'm gonna live damn it before he even registers that it's steed's voice he is trying to get mm-hmm. the rope off of himself and then when his his face when he recognizes that it's steed who is there yeah i'm sorry therapy bills need to be paid and i'm not paying <laughs> them david pay up david hello you're getting good <laughs> Invoice from Dana. Oh. My <laughs> yeah. Dana will be hearing from you. Dana will be hearing from you. The romantic tropes of this show that we've already seen, like the way his hand starts to twitch as he wakes up and he's trying to get Steed's attention, and then Steed grabs it, and then the way that when Ed finally comes to and he the way he you see his hand like fly up to grab onto steeds just as tightly and then the last shot that we see is them gripping each other so tight never wanting to let go yeah sorry my brain exploded (laughs) i can't i can't do it i can't i I lost you there you did um she might be gone i i genuinely like i don't know if this is how this season opened good luck charlie i don't know what's gonna happen the rest of the season because yeah. we haven't even gotten to the meat of everything yet like we I don't haven't know what happened. else could possibly happen yeah i don't know what else could possibly happen like we're in so deep like each episode is so dense with content yeah and 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 not not in a bad way like no it's, it's all so much but for all the right reasons yeah I, that might be intentional i think i read somewhere that like you know, the editors worked really, diff- really, really hard to, to when thinking about pacing yeah. this season. And I think they're doing a really good job because that was one of last season's criticisms. Not from me, by the way. Not from um, me. <laughs> not from me. <laughs> I feel like you can tell, though. I feel like you can tell yeah. that, like, everything's moving cohesively because they're they're hitting all of the cues like they're hitting all yeah. the timing cues for yep. how how the story's supposed to move and i really I, I like that i like that a lot like never am i sitting there looking at my phone waiting for the next scene i'm in it correct you know yeah, yeah. there's it's and that's why i feel like the editing is so fantastic because even though the tone differences as we were talking earlier between steed's side and ed's side especially in the first two episodes is so drastically yeah. different it's not whiplash, but it's no. 
noticeable like it transitions nicely and then you go from like ha ha to like oh my god this is dark yeah but not in a way where you're like what show am i watching i thought this was a comedy it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't take away from anything it's just it's balanced it is so well balanced as we previously said it is so over and i i genuinely can't fathom the fact that we're getting more episodes after this like this is it yep this is it for me (laughs) Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. They they fit so much into that first three that you're just like, okay, <laughs> thanks, <sighs> good, thanks, man. I can live on this. I can live on yeah, this. Yeah, honestly, Seriously. I would be fine. I'd be like, that's it. Great, cool, done. Don't take my word for that because I want the rest of the season. But I would be okay. <laughs> but if I was, you know, stranded in the woods, this would sustain me. This yeah. alone. Oh yeah, yeah, this yeah. Alone. I would not be foraging for berries. No, it would both be the cause. Like some common bitch. I would be thinking about this show and rethinking every moment of it. Replaying every second in my mind over and over again. Just laying down in some moss somewhere. Yeah. Well, we have been talking for two hours. Yep. So much like this podcast, it is so over. <laughs> it is so over. <laughs> that is going to do it for us today. If you liked what you've heard here today, please leave a review for us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe mm. so that you can keep up with our very, very normal, very healthy reactions to our Flag Means Death Season 2. Yes, and we also want to hear from you. Find us on TikTok, Tumblr, and Instagram and tell us how you're liking this season. And thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.